So we are officially living in some crazy times in that the SEC is bringing charges against NFT projects. However, they're not all on the same page within the Securities and Exchange Commission, also known as the SEC within the United States. So today we're gonna dive into two cases that have been brought up and how there is dissent amongst the ranks within the SEC. Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. So this is the type of thing that will definitely have follow-ups within the newsletter. If you're not subscribed for that yet, please feel free to. It is niftybusinessweek.com absolutely free. Try to get you the news and some updates and some cool things that's happening within the space. Content that's being put out. Condense that down into five-minute read, if that. And that could be yours again, niftybusinessweek.com. But let's get to this craziness with the SEC dissent. So the two cases in which we're going to take a look at, which were brought forth by the SEC, they both claim that these operations were running unregistered securities. And the first one was Impact Theories, Founders Keys, and this is, of course, headed up by Tom Bilyeu, and he has his podcast, YouTube channel, Impact Theory, doing some really crazy things. And as far as this particular project, it was a multi-year project offering benefits over time and so forth. And this was the first case that was brought up by the SEC. The second case is the Stoner Cats, which is actually an older project. This is with Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, I believe her name is pronounced. And this was a star-studded Hollywood type of project. It was one of their lockdown uh, creations while they're at home, they did this NFT project about these stoner cats. And long story short, the SEC brought charges on them also. However, when I take a look at this, Hester Pierce in particular, I've heard her speak before. She's a commissioner of the SEC and she has dissented from what the SEC says many times. A lot of the times we think of the SEC as basically Gary Gensler, just rogue agency, just going against everything in Web3, crypto and blockchain technology and all of that stuff. However, he does not speak for the entire agency or everyone that works in within the agency. And Hester Pierce seems to be a voice of reason over there. What I'm going to dive into are the two dissents. And I'm going to actually just read the full text. So you're going to basically get an audiobook today. So before we dive into all that, I must say the first thing is there is something called the Howey test. And the Howey test is just broad, arbitrary thing that they go through a checklist basically asking several questions to see if something is determined as a security or not. Now, if something passes this test and says, yes, this is a security, well, then it should fall under the jurisdiction of the SEC within the United States. And of course, they should operate as such, be registered and so forth. However, if it does not fit the parameters within this Howey test, which is very basic, broad, and uh, doesn't really fit for all the things that we're doing, but whatever, that is what they're trying to apply on to this because it is the best thing that we have right now is the only thing that's on the books. And that's what they're trying to apply to all of this. So as far as deciding into this, just knowing that the Howey test is something that determines if something is a security or not, and if it falls under the SEC. So that's going to come up in this article. And I'm going to go through the first one, which came out on August 28th, 2023. And this is response to the impact theory one. So NFTs and the SEC. Statement on Impact Theory, LLC. Today, the commissioner brought its first non-fungible token, NFT, enforcement action. We dissent in part because we disagree with its application of the Howey analysis. Regardless of what one thinks about the Howey analysis, 
This matter raises larger questions with which the commission should grapple before bringing additional NFT cases. The facts underlying the statement are mostly unremarkable. Impact Theory sold almost $30 million worth of NFTs among with making loud promises that the NFTs would increase in value. Purchasers of the NFTs shared the excitement. The order quotes one of the purchasers as saying, buying a founder's key is like investing in Disney, Call of Duty, and YouTube all at once. However, the NFTs were not shares of company and did not generate any type of dividend for the purchasers. The commission charged Impact Theory with engaging in unregistered securities on a theory that NFTs were offered and sold as investment contracts. The statement does not include fraud charges. We understand why the commission was concerned about the NFT sale. Even though we believe strongly that adults should be able to spend their money as they choose, we share our colleagues' worry about the types of hype that entices people to spend $30 million on NFTs seemingly without having a clear idea about how they will use, enjoy, or profit from them. This legitimate concern, however, is not sufficient basis to pull the matter into our jurisdiction. The handful of company and purchaser statements cited by the order are not the kinds of promises that form an investment contract. We do not routinely bring enforcement against people that sell watches, paintings, or collectibles, along with vague promises to build the brand and thus increase the resale value of those tangible items. Even if NFT sales fit squarely within Howie, is this set of facts one that warrants an enforcement action? The typical cure for a registration violation is a rescission offer, which the company already made in the form of repurchase programs. The company offered to repurchase the NFTs from primary and secondary market purchasers in December 2021 and August 2022, ordered at paragraph 16. It paid about $7.7 million worth of Ether. Presumably, other purchasers likewise could have sold their NFTs back to the company. Because it is the first NFT settlement, this enforcement action raises many difficult questions. The commission should have grappled with these questions long ago and offered guidance when the NFTs first started proliferating. Nevertheless, having a discussion about NFTs now could help the commission to approach the topic sensibly. Some questions we have include, number one, non-fungible tokens are not an easy to characterize asset class, particularly because they can give the owner a wide array of rights to digital or physical assets. People are experimenting with a lot of different uses of NFTs. Consequently, any attempt to use this enforcement action as precedent is fraught with difficulty. And there are useful ways for the commission to categorize NFTs for purposes of thinking about whether and how the securities laws apply to offers and sales. So number two, if the commission were to craft guidance for NFT creators seeking to understand potential intersections with securities laws, what questions would be helpful for us to address? Number three, how should recent legislative efforts to construct a framework for crypto inform our thinking about the application of securities laws to NFTs. Number four, is a securities law regime best suited 
to ensure that NFT purchasers obtain the information that they need before buying an NFT. What type of information do these purchasers want? Might other regulatory frameworks be more appropriate? Number five, if a securities law regime is best, how could the SEC registration requirements be tailored to reflect the unique nature of NFTs? Would compliance with any requirements be prohibitively costly? If so, what alternatives would be more workable but still achieve the commission's objective of protecting investors and the integrity of the marketplace? Number six, does the action indicate that the commission's generally views previous NFT offerings as security offerings? If so, will the commission provide specific guidance to those issuers describing what they need to do to come into compliance? Number seven, what if any restrictions should apply to secondary market sales of NFTs that the issuer sold as the object of an investment contract? Number eight, This statement includes an undertaking by the issuer to destroy NFTs in its possession. What precedent does this set for future cases in which the NFTs at issue present unique pieces of digital art or music? Number nine, the settlement includes an undertaking to revise the smart contracts or any other programming codes or computer protocols underlying the key NFTs to eliminate any royalty. Given that one of the promising features of NFTs is the ability to reward creators with royalties every time an NFT they created is sold, what precedent does this set for future cases? So that is saying a lot. And of course, ending this, there is the definition of what exactly is an NFT. We don't have to go into that. And then number two, describing what happens to funds that are collected from an NFT sale. So as you can see in this, this is a mouthful. Uh, Hester Pierce uh, definitely is not in line with what Gary and company are saying. And there's actually two names on this. There is Hester Pierce and there is Mark Uyeda, U-Y-E-D-A. So apparently they co-wrote this together and uh, I guess they're co-commissioners. So that's very interesting right there. But as you can see, there are a lot of intricacies, a lot of different things that are involved. So to put a broad blanket over everything, well, obviously that does not work. So it was very interesting to see how this is going to go forward. And now let's take a look at that second case, which is equally interesting. So, of course, this one came out on September 13th. The same co-commissioners are on this. And this one is entitled Collecting Enforcement Actions, Statements on Stoner Cats 2 LLC. So this one is a lot shorter. But once again, I'll be reading this. So enjoy this audiobook experience, I guess you would say. We respectfully dissent from the commissioner's second non-fungible tokens NFT statement as we did from the first time. The application of the Howie investment contract analysis in this matter lacks any meaningful limiting principle. It carries implications for creators of all kinds. Were we to apply the securities laws to physical collectibles in the same way that we apply them to NFTs, artists' creativity would wither in the shadow of legal ambiguity. Rather than arbitrarily bringing enforcement actions against NFT projects, we ought to lay out some clear guidelines for artists and other creators who want to experiment with NFTs as a way to support their creative efforts and build their fan communities. Whether an artist is selling numbered versions of a physical print for fans to display on their walls 
or NFTs for fans to display on social media, she deserves clear guidelines about whether and how the securities laws apply. Artists of all kinds have long struggled to support themselves, and NFTs offered a potentially viable way for them to monetize their talents. The fact that money is involved does not transform NFTs into securities. This enforcement action involves activities that we believe constitutes fan crowdfunding, a common phenomenon in the world of artists, creators, and entertainers. In July 2021, Stoner Cat sold 10,320 NFTs to the public for Ether valued at $8.2 million to fund the production of an animated series called Stoner Cats. NFT purchasers received a unique still image of one of the characters in the Stoner Cat series and exclusive access to the series and an online community as well as access to unspecified future entertainment content. Several famous writers, animators, and voice actors worked on the project. While updated for the digital age, the Stoner Cats NFTs are not that different from Star Wars collectibles sold in the 1970s. On the heels of a very successful release of Star Wars in 1977, fan excitement was high. To the delight of millions of children that holiday season, the toy company Kenner sold early bird certificate packages, redeemable for future Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and R2-D2 action figures and membership into the Star Wars fan club. Sales of these certificates helped to build a diehard community of Star Wars fans. Would those IOU certificates, which would be resold, constitute as investment contracts? Using the analysis of today's enforcement action, the SEC would have parachuted in to save those kids from Star Wars mania. NFT creators, along with other artists, do not get a free pass from the securities laws. In some instances, sales of NFTs may implicate our securities laws. In applying the securities laws in this space, however, the commission must take care to preserve the ability of artists to sell their work, build their fan bases, and involve the fan base in future creative endeavors. That is what was happening in the 1970s with Star Wars, and that is what is happening here with Stoner Cats. The Stoner Cats NFT purchasers received what they paid for, a still image of a character from the series, access to all six episodes of the Stoner Cat series, and the excitement of being a part of a popular phenomenon. The commission's applications of the securities laws here makes little sense and discourages content creators from exploring ways to harness social networks to create and distribute content. More generally, it contributes to the legal ambiguity facing artists, writers, musicians, filmmakers, and others seeking to build loyal, engaging followings. So, that is a lot. Well, first and foremost, I must say, putting stoner cats in the same breath and sentence as Star Wars must be quite the honor to be the creator of such a franchise. However, once again here, we can see a voice of reason is in the room, and I think it is just very interesting to see how all this plays out. This is not the narrative that we constantly hear from Gary G and company. So it's just nice to see that there's someone in the room that does make some sense. And if they were in the private sector, Mark and Hester here, 
I think they would make a fortune because apparently their logic skills, their reasoning is off the chart. And normally <laughs> you don't really see that type of thing in the public sector. No offense to any public sector workers that might be listening to this, but politicians and commissioners and so forth, a lot of the times they thrive on yellow tape and ambiguity and just all sorts of different things. So for her to actually get in here and down and dirty and just reason, I think is just absolutely amazing. And if she was in the private sector, she would be making an absolute fortune from any of these major corporations. So very interesting to see right here that there is dissent within the SEC and it is not one size fits all as we in the space already know. There is a complete difference between someone who is collecting, let's just say, garbage pale kids NFTs over on the Wax blockchain for a few cents as someone who is trying to make some massive killing in some sort of investment opportunity or whatever it might be. There is no connection whatsoever between the kid that's collecting baseball cards and someone who's buying into some sort of hedge fund or getting some sort of VC deal or something of that nature. So I think it is just very awesome that she's drawing that line and they're bringing this up and raising the issue to really hammer the stuff out. Okay, because the blockchain and crypto, the catch-all phrase is involved, is that why this is an issue? Well, there's really no difference between what creators and people have been doing, crowdfunding and all of that for years. So why didn't the SEC raise an issue then? So why would they do that now? So I find it very valuable. I am grateful that she's raising this issue. And I would love to hear your thoughts on the issue. Please feel free to chime in. If you like these types of episodes where I'm actually reading responses and what have you, turning it into an audiobook experience, please let me know. Feel free to comment. As usual, I'm over on X and wherever you might want to find me. Tropic Vibes is the name. <laughs> Contact information is in the show notes. But I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.